<laughs> Thank you for tuning in for a triple Xmas episode. Right off the bat, which is usual, I guess, I'm going to incriminate myself. This is paints this pit this story paints me in a really bad light. It paints the person who is the villain, in my eyes, the villain, worse. So this is years back. I lived with my girlfriend in a two-bedroom apartment. And we used to have the main, like the what do I call it? Like the master bedroom, if you will. We were young. We're in our early 20s, right? But we had like the big bedroom together and had a we master bedroom, bro. Right? That's that's pretty sick. Yeah, like I'm just saying giant, there was a giant bedroom and there was a smaller bedroom, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the smaller bedroom, we used to uh, sublet it out to get money. And my girlfriend left to um, not that we broke up or anything, but she's like, we're still together. She went back home, which was a couple hours away and we subletted the extra room. And that's what she did to pay her rent. She was like, Hey, she subletted it. And that's how she paid her half of the rent. Was that the beginning and of the end for the relationship? Sorry to pry. This isn't about the relationship. So okay. let, let's just, okay. we'll just not okay. even whatever. Okay. Um, Single teardrop coming down your eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, not, and I'm sorry. I said it so dismissively. It wasn't it, it's just because I'm trying to get to the actual story here, but I need to paint this because these parts matter. These parts factor in later. So I was a piece of shit. And I was, so I was living with a French exchange student. She was a female chick. Her and I, nothing happened. We were just on cool terms. She was very nice, but boring. She was my roommate. I didn't know her, you know, roommate off Craigslist type shit. And I was, my girlfriend was out of town and I was cheating all the time. Cause I used to back then just cheat piece of shit, whatever. Beginning of the end, beginning of the end, I called it. Uh, no, I was cheating at the beginning. Also, <laughs> while she was there, <laughs> no, dude, I was cheating. Oh, dude, I was cheating yeah. all like all the time. It's a piece of shit. Perks of two it's bedrooms. This paints, yeah, dude, this paints <laughs> me in a really bad light. Okay, so I met this girl on the internet, and we talked back and forth for a bit, and then one day, it's like a Tuesday. I remember it was being it was midweek, and she was gonna come over. And this was a pre-smartphone era, again, because we are today talking about Black Christmas. And in the movie Black Christmas, there's a murderous psychopath who's calling a home incessantly and being crazy on the landline. So this all matters for landlines. And we had a landline. Even though we had cell phones, we had a landline because it was back in the time where cell phones were expensive as shit. So you would have a landline to offset the cost. This is Motorola's like, and uh, and Razor. Oh yeah, this is like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. With the where they the Motorola flips up, not flips up, but um, yeah. slides up. Sorry, it slides up. That song like haunts me. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, I haven't heard that tone tone mm-hmm. in a long time. Mm-hmm. So getting to it to the interesting part. So this girl I meet on the internet. Hey, come on over. I'm like, this is where I live. And I lived in an apartment, as I said, but it was like a, like a, there was like a big apartment building, like 25 stories or something. Jesus. Not like three stories or something, like a big building, you know? And okay, I'm like, meet me here and then let me know. And then I'll come down, meet you, and then I'll come let you up. And she's like, hey, she's going to, let's say this is on Tuesday and she's going to come on Wednesday. So then we go, cool, cool, we make plans. And I leave and I go hang out with friends and I have some drinks and I smoke weed and I hang out with friends for the night. 
I get back to my apartment and there's a note from the French roommate. She's like, hello, Brandon. Somebody kept calling the call, kept calling the phone over and over again. And they were screaming and they were threatening and it started to freak me out. And I got so scared. I eventually just unplugged the phone. I don't know what that is about. Like, just wanted to let you know. Au revoir. And and I'm like, merci. I'm like, odd, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, odd. But I'm like, I'm I'm not fucked up, but I'm not sober. You know, Mm -hmm. like, huh. I go to my bedroom. I put on my laptop, not laptop, doesn't matter, computer. It was a desktop, Mm -hmm. put on my desktop. And I get on whatever the fuck site I used to talk to the girl that I was talking to on. One of many. AOL and like, MSN. It was like that era. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like yeah. that era, but it wasn't MySpace. it wasn't actually AOL. It was MySpace okay. era. Yeah. 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 And okay. and she says, Hey, I fucked up. I wrote down the directions to your place and my boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend. I don't know what his status was. I'll call him ex-boyfriend. He found it. And he flipped out and she goes, he's fucking crazy. (laughs) And he says he's going to kill you. And then she says, if he messages, if he calls you, don't give him any information because he literally will kill you. He's fucking crazy. I'm so sorry. A billion exclamation marks. Wait, wait, Did wait, did, did he have your address or just your telephone number? This is what I don't know. Right, because oh. I don't. She just said this is this is the information she gave me. She said that she wrote it and and then like memorized it and like threw it in a trash bin type thing, mm-hmm. and then he found Made it. A I don't cipher know, out like, of it. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. He did yeah. that. He did. It. You know when you write it down on a notepad and of and course. then you 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 uh grab the pen and you put a pencil over it and you could see what was uh etched in. It was like that type. <laughs> we get Big Lebowski. It's just a cock at the end. It's of a it. cock. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah, a yeah. it's a cock yeah. and it, no, it's well, it's a gun and it's pointed at my mm-hmm. fucking face. Yeah. Know? When and when we first I, started the podcast, I was so scared people would find my notes. I would literally burn them after every recording because I was so scared. I thought this has been well documented about you being Willem Dafoe in To Live and Die in L.A. and burning all your masterpieces of, of <laughs> art. We, I made that joke a thousand. I thought in my head I've made the joke 20 times. Maybe I haven't made it on an yeah. actual podcast we published. I don't know if it's ever been on wax, but I, I have a tendency to like do something really good and then just like <laughs> disintegrate it. Like I, I just yeah, well, said this it is the opposite. I wasn't doing anything yeah. really good. I was doing it really bad. I had a wonderful girlfriend who was very pretty and very sweet and everything but i was just a piece of shit and i just like to cheat and this girl so she said hey and i so i read that by the way i live with my girlfriend my girlfriend isn't like she isn't presently in the home nope but we share the apartment together yep and i'm like and the phone is under her name yep that's great i'm like this is all great. Shit. And I was, <laughs> and now I don't know how well you know the movie Departed, The Departed. Very well. So Matt Damon, when he's in the office and things over him sideways, and then he just turns the lights off and he just closes the blinds and he just sits in darkness, is contemplating, yeah. and he's like, I am fucked. That's how mm-hmm. I felt sitting at the desk. I'm like, I am fucked. And the next day, I plug the phone in and it immediately starts ringing. Oh, wow. And I pick it up. 
And this guy is like, I don't want to be too loud. I don't want to blow up people's eardrums. But he's just like, I'm going to fucking kill you. You fucking stole my girlfriend. I'm going to fucking murder you. You wait till I find you. I'm fucking murder And so he's like, I just hang it up, right? Yeah. Unplug the phone. Plug it back in a few hours later. Wait 15, 20 minutes. And I'm not kidding. These types of calls just on repeat. Constantly. I'm going to kill you. Like, like constantly. And he was like screaming, not like, hey, can I talk to yeah. Brandon? Yeah, yeah, man. When I find you, you're fucking dead. No, nothing like that. Literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, Holy shit. And she had told, and I never even met this girl, by the way. We haven't met yet. So I don't even, and she told me he's fucking crazy and I take her word for it. And so this goes on for weeks, weeks. I'm like, I can't even plug that phone in. And I tell my girlfriend, this is how shitty I am. I'm like, Hey, is there any reason one of your ex-boyfriends would have this number? Oh, wow. That's a <laughs> good, go, good cover. There's been a guy calling. He's been losing his mind. Good cover. <laughs> And I'm like, can we change the number? Because <laughs> you, I was about to say, like, you can't even change the fucking number because it's, it's under her, her name. That it's sucks. under her name. Yeah, yeah. And so she's like, what? She's like, no. I. She goes, no guy I've dated since you like has that number. So it's impossible that any guy I've dated. And she's like, and I've been faithful. <laughs> kind of hinting, probably knowing. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, this is crazy. And I got to act like, that's crazy, whatever. Wow, can you believe it? So eventually, I'm at home one day, and I and it gets like less and less frequent, but still far more frequent than you like of yeah. menacing, insane phone calls. Any unnerving that, death threat uh, is is more than I would like. Yes. Yeah, one that one time is far too much. You know? Yeah. And luckily... He the only information he has is the intersection of where I live and my phone number and my first name. Woof. So he know he knows my name though. So he's yelling, Brandon, I'm gonna fucking kill Brandon. You fucking find find you, Brandon. You're fucking dead, Brandon. Like in black, like the killer in Black Christmas, repeating, like just like he had your your intersection though. Do you think there was ever the possibility that he would like go from apartment building to apartment building just looking at the names? Um, just... I'm underplaying like how so there was four identical apartment buildings that were all in a quad facing okay. each other, okay. and they were all twenty stories high. Whoa. And it like there was it's an impossibility to just like cold whatever right. people like to, all right. All right. But I was ready that if a random guy approached me and was like, are you Brandon to deny it? I'm like, just as soon as soon as someone says you're Brandon, I'm like, I don't even know what who you're talking about. Why are you even saying this? Nope. That was a possibility, though. My name is Crandon. I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. What are you, <laughs> you, what are you talking about? My name is Brandon Promblay. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. I'm sorry. You must have me mistaken. My name is Bramblin. I, yeah. I you, oh. You know, and I just shaved my mustache. Sorry, I was just I'm growing my mustache back in. Yeah, you just you you're mistaking you, me. You put on the fake mustache and glasses every time you leave yeah, the this house. Is, this is this like, is see now now you now you know who I look, look like normally. You're like oh, he's like okay, <laughs> oh okay, you're not the guy who's fucking the girl you met off MySpace. Okay, Jesus then, fucking Christ. So that goes on forever, and eventually, so my girlfriend won't change the number. Because she no. said, "Oh, it's more of a pain in the ass and whatever," and she's and now Sounds she's like a you problem. Yeah, yeah. She and she's suspicious of me, which of she should be rightfully and so. You suck. Here. One day I'm home, phone's plugged in, phone rings. 
He's like, ah, fuck. I go, Brandon, just answer it. I answer it. He goes, is this fucking Brandon? I'm like, yeah. And he goes on a tirade for minutes, like forever. And I'm not saying anything. And he's just going. It's like, and then at the end of it, he's like, do you understand me? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking maybe this will make it end. And he's in a room with his friends. He's Whoa. doing this in front of a group of friends. Yeah. And his one friend goes, I forget the guy's name. I'm going to call him Tommy. He's like, Tommy, like, why are you doing this? Like, stop. Like, just stop. <laughs> right? And he's like, you don't understand. He's fucked. And then he starts saying to me, then he gets emotional. And he goes. Yeah, of course. He goes, I love her, man. <laughs> I fucking love her. She was the and one, bro. I fucking love her. And so if I fucking find you. And then he flips back to crazy person. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And you I go, not stable, sir. And I'm just like, all right, I get it. And then the one friend, and then another friend, again, he's got friends there this time. He's doing it. I can't believe he's making this phone call in front of people. It's fucking ins- That's the craziest part. And the one friend says, why is the guy still listening? And the, and the crazy Tommy says, because uh, he's being respectful and uh, I respect him for that. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally says, Thank you for hearing me out. <laughs> but if you touch, if you come closer, I'll kill you. But thank you for listening. And then he just slams the phone down. <laughs> you never heard from him after that? And that was the end. That was the end. Oh. But That's- it has a happy ending. Mm. I hooked up with that chick fucking six weeks later. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Hopefully yeah, she yeah, broke yeah. up with that dude by that point. Well, then she was already broke. So she did explain to me when we met up. She was broken up with him, but she was like, but they're in the similar friend circle. Mm. that's the thing and she was young like i mean like whatever like i'm 23 so she's she's like in her teens like 18 19 you know and she was just she could have played it better and she handled it poorly (laughs) but she was broken up like they were like clearly done but he was obsessed with her oh boy and it turns out that he was a um he was a skinhead yeah, he was something, right? Like, there's something no, up with this guy. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He's like yeah. fucking uh, Ray Liotta in Something's Wild or something along those lines. Like, he yeah, was he's... that, but even like just, but more outwardly crazy. I um, I banged some girl in her dad's house on a pool table one time. And then like in the middle of everything, she was like, you hear like a car in a garage open. She's like, you got to go. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, what? why? Did you she's hear like, it? Uh, yeah, we heard it, but like I, mm-hmm. I was just like, "What? The door's locked!" And she's like, "No, it's my fiance. He's gonna freak out." Oh, and I remember shit. like going through like those little basement windows, and I'm like, "I'm a tall guy, so it was like a whole yeah. thing," and like didn't have time to put my pants on. And like her house, well, her father's house was like a mile from my house, and like her boyfriend and her or fiance and her fiance's friends had like cars like patrolling the neighborhood for me and I have like my cock out and I'm like jumping fences and like hiding out and like coming up Ooh. out of a dumpster like <laughs> and, and just seeing them like going up and down the block looking for me and like dude I've had that not because I was cheating but I've had that people um twice in my life but one uh, stands out to me when I was 15 I was trespassing in a house and not inside the house but just on property and this guy we were just, um, you know, pool, you know, you do like pool jumping shit. Sure. 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 Um, what's the phrase? There's an actual phrase for that, but it doesn't matter. Pool we're, hopping. Pool hopping or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
we were just like doing that. And this guy, but we used to always go to this guy's place mm-hmm. and all the time. And this guy one night found us and he came out and then we're like, he put a big flat, like a spotlight on it. He had literally one of these big spotlight things. Oh God. And he put that on us and he started and we ran. And when I'm 15, cause I, you know, I used to be a hooper and athlete and everything. I'm like, you're not going to, unless you're an Olympic athlete, like you're just, you're just, you're just not going to catch me, mm-hmm. you know? And so this guy, I'm like, okay, well, fuck, this guy's never going to catch me. And then he got in his truck and he came after us and we were in a part where, and he was chasing us for hours. Did you have your clothes on? Hours. And I, that's the thing is I was getting changed while I was having, putting my shit on. Yeah, that's and shitty. I remember I, I, he, at one point, cause where this place was, was there was a train track and we go, oh, we thought we we lost him. I go, fuck, we lost him. Finally, me and my buddies, right? Me and my buddies, two buddies. And I go, fuck, we finally lost him. And I look, I go, oh, fuck. He's on the other side of the train. Like I could see <laughs> on the other side of the train. He's on the other side of the train. Was the train coming by? You could, sorry, there's a train going through. Yeah, yeah. So you have to, uh, oh no. <laughs> and I can see him and I'm like, but I don't even know if he sees us. And I go, hey, and we, there was like, um, like long, um, not corn, like, Fuck long grass, whatever you mm-hmm. call that shit. Now, like um, reeds, some sort of yeah, reeds, reeds. yeah, 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 yeah. Pasture. And we just like hid in that shit, and we just waited. I said, "Sit still." We just waited for the train to pass, which took forever, which probably took four minutes, but it felt like eighty-four minutes. Of course, longest four minutes by. of your life. Yeah, and then he drove by, and then he was finally gone, and we fucking left. But I mean, it went up for hours. I was like, I can't believe this guy wants to kill us for going <laughs> yeah. in his pool. Like, <laughs> it's like. With that stuff, like, yeah, shouldn't want to kill you because, like, you were in their pool. This fucking crazy dude calling you on the phone shouldn't want to kill you. He should take that out on the girl who was trying to bang you. Like, that's not a her problem, not a you problem. Or like, it's a she's just not into you anymore. It's either she's not into you anymore or she's cheating and you guys need to work through it. It's like, I haven't yeah, done anything here. Yeah, you are the innocent party there in that circumstance. Well, not, not his buddy. buddy. Yeah, I'm not your I buddy met him, guy. I met her through him. Then you're being yeah. shitty, you know. Then you're being shitty, and then like the the steel mill's daughter, like it was some girl. Her dad owned like a steel mill downtown. And I was like banging her in her dad's house. Like fucking, why is his fiance trying to kill me? I would have just fucking yelled at this girl and been like, "What the fuck are you yeah. doing with this idiot?" I've you know? never like. You know, and we've all been cheated on, and even if you don't think you've been cheated on, you have been cheated on. You have been, yeah. And I've. If I've ever been, you know, times have been cheated on or suspect I've been cheated on or whatever you want to call it, I'm actually, and this is going to sound like I'm so progressive, I'm mad at how much we let the relationship get to shit. I'm actually not even like, there's nobody I'm like single mad at because I understand it. Of course. And you know why I understand it? Because I'm a piece of shit. You just want to put my cock in everything and I fucking <laughs> cheat on everything there is. So I'm like, yeah. I, and I know that the girl I was cheating on when I started the story. I was absolutely in love with her. I loved her. Loved yeah. her. But I just you weren't ready to my, be in love, buddy. You weren't ready to be in love. But I just like, well, I was a kid. I just like putting yeah. my dick in things. This isn't how I am now. I don't treat, I'm not like this. I'm not at fucking 42 living with my girlfriend. And, and like this girl found, I don't even need to say this because I'm going to, it's going to, everyone's going to unsubscribe when I start. <laughs> painting the picture of how horrible I was. Tell us how, how shitty a person. Well, the thesis statement I, of well, this she, podcast she is. She caught how me cheating because. 
she was changing the um you know how you move your couch cushions just to like because you sit in the same one so you like of course you rotate you rotate them yep so she was rotating them she lifted them up and she found a girl's driver's license oh that's shitty and she said to me do you know girl's name redacted and i go mm-hmm. never heard that name in my life right my heart's <laughs> just pounding and yeah. she's like huh and she goes huh and then she just leaves it and i go that was weird and then like two weeks later she's like i gotta tell you something my girlfriend i'm like what's up oh no then the girl told me i lost my id is there any chance you have it hey and i go fuck and then your girl's like, girlfriend. I got, I got to tell you something. I've been making fucking menacing phone calls to that girl for the past three <laughs> months. You're being really funny. She literally <laughs> said she found it. And this is again in the days of people had phone books and landlines. Mm-hmm. And she found her in the phone book and called of her. Of course. And she goes, did you fuck Brandon? And the girl's like, I have no idea who it is. And then the girl goes, oh, Brandon. She goes, and my girlfriend's like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. The girl says, yeah, I, I did. Why did that be like girlfriend, that? And then my girlfriend goes, okay, thank you for telling me. She hangs up. And then the the cheating girl, Star Six Nines, my girlfriend, calls my girlfriend back. Six, hey, nine. I'm sorry. Nice, nice. I didn't, I didn't fuck him. <laughs> I only sucked his dick. <laughs> I she didn't goes, swallow. I fucked spit. another Brandon. She goes, I fucked another Brandon. I'm sorry. Yeah. I confused yeah. him. <laughs> I didn't fuck him. I sucked his dick and then I spit it, but I spit it in his mouth. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and then she starts mouth, making then... menacing phone yeah. calls to your girlfriend. And that was the end of the fucking <laughs> end of the relationship. Yeah, and then yeah, and then my girlfriend started uh, killing people and wrapping them in plastic wrap and, and keeping them in attics. And, you know, the rest like of a total fucking crazy person here on Degen Cinema, a podcast for fucked up movie lovers, where two degenerates analyze film through the lens of the vices, addictions, and flaws <coughs> that we share with their dysfunctional characters. Ho ho ho! Shit, Merry Triple Xmas, talking. Black Christmas, 1974's Black Christmas. Before we start, it sounds old to you. It might sound old to you if you aren't a movie geek. It holds up better than you can imagine. Have you seen any of the sequel or they're all remakes? Like there's three of these things. That's why I want to say 1974. I've seen the most popular one. I want to put it at 06, 05. Yeah, it's like an 06 one, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I have not seen any of these, but I did a little research on it today. And apparently it goes like way into the killer's backstory. Way, it, it really, this is the, one of the greatest parts of this movie is that similar to the boyfriend who was threatening to murder me, I didn't know anything about this person though. Like, why is he so murderous? Mm-hmm. And in this movie, there's just a crazy person making menacing phone calls, um, hysteric, wild psychopathic phone calls mm-hmm. and they never even show him they never show him not even oh no. they don't show him till the end they literally never show him and they never explain anything they don't even say his name like he calls himself billy but at one point he also or calls himself is he? like i don't even know who he's talking about or what yeah it sounds like he, he is or is he saying what he heard or yes he, I, I mean we could call him billy it seems like, but he could even be like, I'm just telling a story that like, this is what I overheard. I don't even know. Yeah. Cause he, he also like 
makes different voices and calls himself Agnes or something in the middle of it. And like, yeah, much like the first Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, they leave him completely anonymous and enigmatic and this never got the which sequel makes treatment. you the viewer you're projecting on him which makes him all the more scarier it really really lends to the terrifying nature of this fucking guy and not only do we not know who this person is we're seeing all these crimes through his point of view and we know where he is at all times and he is in this house at all times which is a pretty terrifying thing. It's not the, uh, you know, don't leave your house. Where can you hide? Like you're in the safest environment that you can essentially conceive of your own home. Well, how do you, as a, as a horror geek, I still get freaked out by horror movies when I watch them by myself alone, Mm -hmm. dark in my TV room. Mm -hmm. And then when I go to bed at five in the morning, I'm not kidding. I put the phone, I put, I don't put the flashlight on, but I put my phone on to get some light and I just look around my bedroom quick. I'm like, wait, wait, there isn't anything going to kill me. Right. I go, okay. Okay. (laughs) You still do the under the bed check and shit. Like I do. No, no, no. I don't do under, but I'm being serious. What I do though, what I do do is I go, huh. Before I jump in my bed, I want to make sure no one's laying in my bed waiting for me. Dude, I do um the the door locks. Sorry, I wish someone was laying in my bed waiting for me, but yeah. like in the um so his boyfriend, their boyfriend can call you fucking later on and start yeah, screaming exactly. you like a psychopath. <laughs> um I I'm scared of uh leaving my door unlocked and leaving my appliances on to the point where I find myself like getting up a lot even knowing you know i locked that door or i turned the stove off and now i have a folder in my phone of me like taking a photo or a video doing it putting my hand on the stove so i can lay in bed and just look at it and be like no you're fine like you lock the door like no one's something is this something um in sobriety where your ocd's got worse or has this always been that's i was in a house fire when i was like 20 21 ish and uh yeah it was like 21 because i was i was fucking hammered and the mm. girls um <laughs> my best friend had a girlfriend and her boyfriend like, caught you and just lit the house on fire trying the to house, no no <laughs> no it, it's actually kind of crazier like she had a hot friend and these dealers just beat the bears uh, Prince played. It was like Super Bowl Sunday, okay. right? Why? Oh, Super. Oh, sorry. Okay, I was like, yeah. why does a why does a Jets fan care about the the well, fucking Bears and Steelers? Yeah, I, okay. I know, yeah. I know. Well, we have to care about literally anything because it's impossible to care about the fucking Jets. But the yeah. um, <laughs> but I remember uh, her being like, "Hey, come over," and my buddy being like, "You should come over because you know this chick is there too." And I was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." And I'm like hanging out upstairs with this chick. And I hear like rap, rap, rap on the second story window. And I go to the window and I look outside and it's my buddy and his girlfriend just waving, like throwing rocks. And they're like, the house is on fire. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I like turn around and see this like 19 year old. And I was like, grab all your like family pictures and like computer. Like I remember saying like photos and a computer and we're going to run in like 20 seconds and like put all our clothes on 
open the door, handles fucking hot, and like have to bolt. Yeah, have the bolt. And now we're on like the front yard. This is kind of Christmassy. It was snowing really bad. And uh, she's like, Puka's in there. Puka's in there. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what the fuck mm. does that mean? And my yeah. my my boy's girl is like, oh, that's their dog. It's, they locked it in the parents' room. And I was like, all right, time to be a hero, Andy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I run back into the house. A literal fucking wall, like, exploded. And I get into the fucking parents bedroom and there's this little I like, like say, i run to the nearest pet shop i buy a dog kind of like that dog was kind of like that life hack yeah life hack <laughs> the goldfish treatment um yeah <laughs> no and it's like a you know like those little like kick me dogs like those little tiny things and um it, i like go to grab it and it's like biting at my hand and i remember just oh, like God. picking it up and slamming it on the floor like just knock it unconscious and like throw it outside. And I was like, I'm the hero. Um, so yeah, oh, you're I, like I, Matt Dillon and there's something about Amy or something about, um, Mary, Mary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I remember just not like, the dog. I, no, Ben Stiller. Sorry. Sorry. It yeah. wasn't Matt Dillon was, it was Ben Stiller. I guess uh, goes one on one with the dog, by the way, all time. Great. All time. <laughs> great. He goes, he goes to, you get the dog between the eyes with his with his uh, two fingers, and the dog puts up his paws. Puts, a, yeah, puts his paws up three stooges style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's golden. Yeah, I knocked Puka the fuck out that day. Um, Puka. Well, Puka. I'm glad you're still with us. Or worse, you're clearly not with us anymore, Puka. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, nothing like sympathy sex after you save a dog from a burning building. I remember the news coming and being like, uh, you know. They were home alone when it happened and me just being like in the background, like trying to hide, like, cause their parents are probably like, you leave you home and you burn the fucking house down. You, you know, like, my fucking stash was in there. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I lost my razor, my fucking cell phone probably. Um, uh, but we, the one thing I wanted to bring up about this movie, black Christmas, and we both are giant fans of it. I, I think it's a, unequivocal masterpiece it's in my top five horror movies of all time easily like easily easily it's in my top five 70s movies it is also because this is triple xmas it's by the if you don't know this you wouldn't know this probably most people outside of the fucking nerds like us it's from the same director of a christmas story ralphie you're gonna shoot your eye out with the red rider bb gun this is a guy who made the same. It's he made two of the best Christmas movies of all time. Bob Clark has the most insane career of all time because he made Black Christmas, Porky's, Porky's, one Christmas and two. Story. One and two. Yep, one and two. <laughs> he was coming off Porky's too when they asked him to make a Christmas story. By the way, I don't even understand it. I don't understand it. Yeah. The next year he made Rhinestone, the Dolly Parton, Sylvester Stallone dancing movie. Um, Oh, shit. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he he ended his uh, his short career before his death with Baby Geniuses. And of course, Baby Geniuses, two super babies, um, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, I think... Black Christmas, I, I I don't know if I would say top five horror movies of all time. I would say like top three slashers, 100%, if you want to like yeah. go into subgenres. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is the movie that um, it's 
hard to find a slasher proper proper by the modern definition slasher that predates it. So a lot of people consider it the original slasher movie. Especially an American um yes, an American movie. I mean, you can think of And there's a final girl and all that shit. That's what I mean, like the template for what would become like Folks, the slasher. this came out four years before Carpenter's Halloween. And we're not disparaging Carpenter's Halloween, but just to give you an idea of how much ahead of the curve it was. And it does things better than any of the slashers that come after Halloween did in mm-hmm. almost every kind of conceivable way where he's like, is this better than the original Friday the 13th? Like, what are you talking? Like not even, cl- yes. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unequivocally. Yeah. Yes. Like a thousand times better. And again, like the first Halloween, you know, you have your final girl, you have, Laurie Strode's and um, I forgot the name. Also, all time score does a lot of heavy lifting for that first Halloween too. A lot of heavy lifting, but Halloween got the sequel treatment where it demystified a lot of what made the first Halloween special, which was Mm. what the fuck is this guy other than like this boogeyman that this crazy psychiatrist is running around saying almost omnipotent because he kind of knows where everybody is and he sees everything and he's a step ahead of you and you undefeatable yeah a hundred percent like the the villain kind of gets away at the end thing too this does that but it's actually a good movie, which like you like slash- every character, like not like meaning, but every character you're like, sorry, I'm not say like, no. but every character is developed. Every character has their own story. Even if they only have three lines, you go, I know that person. I've, mm-hmm. I've met this type of person. And this is something again, why, and I've mentioned on here before, and I, sometimes I forget our personal conversations or our podcast conversations, but a lot of these older movies, I love it to see a 50 year old movie. I go, Oh, people act like that now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The internet didn't change people that much. People actually still are kind of the same. And these people aren't just their tropes, which is what slashers become in the eighties where you have the jock, the bimbo, the stoner, the nice guy, the final girl, the the nerd. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, each one of these people, like Margot Kidder's in this movie, fucking all star. Like Margot Kidder's a fucking all star. Mm-hmm. She kind of fills that role of the slutty drunk one, but she also is a very redeemable person. And they kind of treat her like alcohol abuse as like it's not cute. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and she's and they show they have a conversation where her mother throws her under a bus for Christmas and she's not going to see her for Christmas because her mom was off with her new boyfriend. And she says on the phone, well, mom, can't I just go hang out with you guys? And, and then she has to just eat it. Go, okay, I understand. Then she says to the crew, hey, crew, does you, anybody want to go skiing? And they're like, sure, Barb, because they know that she's just yeah. been through it. Yeah. And the nerdy one, uh, she's like the second to last one who makes it with like the frizzy hair. Like she's a nerd, but they're not making she's fun the one of her. Says, for- Barb, go to bed. You're drunk. Yeah, 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 but they're not making fun of her for being a fucking nerd. Like, she's part of the crew, and she's got a boyfriend. And she gets and laid. Yeah, 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 she gets laid. She fucks Santa Claus. 
the Santa yeah. Claus guy in this, uh, who's a very obviously Jewish actor. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but the slasher became so fucking disposable. Right. And mm -hmm. it became just like a way for a studio, like a new line or even like Canon and shit to just make money off nothing. Like they could just say like, what if we put him here? We have these characters and then we have a bunch of really good kills and we can call it a fucking day. And then you see movies like black Christmas, the first Halloween, Texas chainsaw massacre, and you're like, no, there is substance behind this. If you wanted there to be substance, it's a behind story this. about these people and what they're going through. And they just happen to intersect with the lunatic. And it doesn't have to be heightens, difficult. And that the lunatic, the lunatic heightens everything. But you, you, this movie could be a Bergman movie. <laughs> you just sure. take away the killer. You just have them dealing with their fucking, you know, this a main thing, a main through line of this is a chick who wants to have an abortion and her boyfriend who disapproves of it. Yeah. And I know we're talking slasher, but I want to get to that point of this movie is, it is a insanely feminist movie. It's especially if you think for it, a 50 year old movie, not just because all it all stars women, but because it shows a chick. She goes, yeah, I got pregnant. I fucked up. You're my boyfriend. You're my long-term boyfriend. I still don't care. I want to flush this shit. And he's mm -hmm. like, you can't do that. You, we need to talk about this. She's like, there's nothing to talk about. It's fucking gone. He's like, you don't talk to me like that. This is a movie where all the men, not all the men, sorry, but most of the men mm -hmm. are upset when the women display autonomy. And it's a movie filled with female autonomy. You know what I mean? Um, Especially that's why Margot Kidder is so great in this. Cause she's just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And uh, the main girl, uh, Olivia Hussey, right? Yeah. Um, the, the abortion thing, this movie was made one year after Roe versus Wade being passed and started filming about like three or four months after Roe versus Wade being passed in the United States. So they are dancing on this kind of tightrope, even like bringing that up, let alone bringing it up in essentially a trashy genre movie, right? Not essentially. Yeah. Like this is a trashy genre movie. Um, each female character in this movie makes decisions for themselves. And not only films of that time, um, you know, you have like the the first wave feminism with the 60s, sexual revolution, all that kind of bullshit. But that stuff didn't seep necessarily into pop culture at large in a way that was anything other than like tokenism. Like when you see the like, oh, what a, you know, modern woman. It always felt like, almost like masturbatory, like it was like self-congratulation. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As opposed to this, where it's like, no, this is how these people actually are in real life. Like this is what it actually. And we're talking about, means. this is a, it's a, you know, still is a studio film. It's not giant, but it is, it's going to, it's going to wide release. 
And a lot of the movies that what might have been discussing that, those were more avant-garde, art housey. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and Woman so, Under the Influence came out the same fucking year. Right. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um another movie made there's by a, a theater dude. Pack. There's a there's a lot of downtown theater packed on, you know, imagine like on 42nd Street, you know, on the deuce. Mm-hmm. They're not packing theaters to see Woman Under the Influence on Friday night. Casavets uh, no, isn't selling out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> isn't selling out the Metro on a Friday night. People would go and flock to see this because, oh, shit, this is the scariest movie of the year. I've heard this is frightening. And the first time I saw this movie, I remember it and I was stoned out my ass and I just randomly saw it on, you know, HBO, one of the movie channels. And I said, oh, I'd heard good things about this. I put it on. This is in the early 2000s. And it scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. It still holds up for the reason that you said before. And you're like, Watching this movie through a 2023 lens, the internet hasn't changed people that much because this movie develops all these characters as I understand who these people are and I can get an idea of who they are yeah. by this brief glimpse into their fucking life so that when they are disposed of for no reason, like absolutely no reason by a person with no clear motive other than like actual insanity. No motive identified, no anything about them identified, nothing. Just truly unidentified. Yeah, and we did an episode on De Palma's blowout, uh, which came a couple years after this, like, you know, half no. decade after this. That's the thing, is this is how yeah. early this is. This is seven years later. But blowout is riffing on black Christmas with that opening POV shot. You know what I mean? That like, that like long take where you yeah, hear the that, that, that deep breath into the, mm-hmm. exactly. Assume it's a mask, but whatever, or they just have the camera close to their face, but that deep breath watching women from the outside leering at them and angry at them. And why are you so angry at them? Something. Yeah. The, um, now they use a the term incel, but that, you know, I don't even like that term because what, however it's been used, not saying it, but I just find it lazy to yeah. all encompass it. But that now they'd be like, oh, he's an incel, but that's what it is. I am assuming the guy who's the guy who's killing these girls that he went through a lot of trauma mm-hmm. and he is now angry at the women for a not taking care of him like he always expected or mm-hmm. b not sucking his dick like he always expected. Or both. And- whether or not you fucking like it as an audience member sitting down and watching this movie, you are put into the eyes of this nameless, motiveless psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that POV. So you're seeing firsthand through his perspective, the death of these people that you are kind of attached to really fucking effective and genuinely fucking scary man genuinely I know. Fucking yeah scary. they in this movie it takes its it well it does jar you early on and then it takes its time and it's the last act of this movie is frightening and the last shot is unnerving yeah the end of this movie is fucking cold and it Again, like this movie is what like starts. There's like a real thing called like final girl theory. Like they teach fucking Mm -hmm. 
feminist. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you major in feminism in college and shit, like you learn about this and it's how women are treated in horror movies and how horror is secretly this feminist. Yeah, I mean, I majored in feminism in college. Yeah. Put in my face as close to as much VJ as I could. Uh, yes. Oh, I was a gynecological minor. Um, yeah. Literally, I mined, <laughs> I, I mined <laughs> inside of the vagina as much as I could. I was looking for pearls um, or or silver ore or whatever the fuck. You should have seen my uh, feminist thesis. Hey, lady, does thesis fit down your throat? Oh. Mm-hmm. What, these papers? Oh, you mean these nuts? <laughs> I couldn't even think of it. These nuts. <laughs> these papers. <laughs> um, the fucking abortion thing is fucking heavy in this, and it is... He, the guy says, I have it written down. He says, the boyfriend says, she says, I'm going to have the abortion. They're over the phone. He, and he says to her, you selfish bitch. You're talking about killing our baby like it was having a wart removed. Yeah, which is gnarly, but that is not how abortions are normally framed in films. It is normally the guy saying, oh, we can't have pushing. You're going to ruin our lives. You need to do it. And the girl saying, no, it's mine. I want to have a baby. Yeah. Like, no, like, you know, the, the urgency is usually coming from the guy like why are you being so selfish it takes two to tango i'm involved in this too as opposed to this one where the woman is specifically saying like i i don't want to do this um i can derail my life and he's saying he's saying no we can still have a good life together and do all the things and she's like no we clearly can't but we could have a better one if we don't you know this is where I paint myself to look like an asshole. I have, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't like aggressive about it or anything, but I did. And I fucking regret it every day of my fucking life. It's what I look for under the bed. Uh, I had like revengeful baby, vengeful. Yeah. Just a fucking, <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, it's like, it's like fetuses. bad taste. Like, yeah. <laughs> Frankenholder. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> these are my nightmares. They're just fetuses <laughs> crawling at me. No, but I, I wasn't like fucking aggressive about it or anything, but you know, when I was told, I was like, you think we should do this? And it's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, mm, well, think about, you know, in my head, I was like, how can I put this nice? What's your relationship with the person? Deep, hook up dating? Deep. No, deep, deep. It was deep. And, uh, like it's your girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. It was my girlfriend. It was like ultimately the end of it. And Mm. I vividly remember like driving to the clinic and it being like the worst day. And in New York, when you like show up, like they only do abortions on a couple days of the week. So like, there's just people outside, like fucking basically throwing tomatoes at you and shit, making you feel like shit, like holding Jesus signs. In and, New York, um, I just see them taking the fetuses, throwing them out back, and then rats just carrying out the fetuses. Well, we <laughs> suck their blood afterwards to become superhumans. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we make our pizza sauce. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. They always say it's the water. It's not the water. It's not the water. The water is the bagels. The pizza yeah, okay. yeah. is the stem cells. Um, 
Oh, God. Margarita, I, as in A. Margarita, lot of yeah, babies to have yeah. this pizza. Margarita Kidder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Margarita, who are you kidding me? And I um, just throw in, I do love that she's such a drunk. She's at the Christmas party with the children's Christmas party mm. that they're hosting. And she's giving champagne to this kid and he's getting buzzed. She goes, little fucker, schnockered. He's schnockered. <laughs> he's schnockered. Um, I remember going into this place and like the procedure was kind of long and they like called you like it was fucking the handmaiden's tale and they're like, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And it was like the ultimate walk of shame. And then they Ugh. would be gone for like two hours. So I had like two or three hours to kill. And I like hadn't brought anything because it was like pre like iPhone. And yeah. I was like, oh, look, reading material. And I remember going through and Brett Easton Ellis's American Psycho was there, and I read. What? It was so weird, and I was like, although um, underrated movie directed by uh, Mary, what's it? D- directed by a woman. Directed Mary by Heron, a woman, I believe. Oh, who's Mary Heron? Yeah, it's Mary Heron. She did direct yeah, American yeah. Psycho. Future episode. Future episode. Considered it for Triple uh, Xmas um, because there's the mistletoe alert. There's like that little. Christmas. Oh, and there, uh, Reese Witherspoon is like, don't be such a Grinch. They have that exchange. Yep. And mm-hmm. that, yeah. mm-hmm. So future episode, American Psycho. <clears throat> but I remember like unironically reading Brett Easton Ellis at an abortion clinic and just be, <laughs> like, this was all over and done with. And I'm like, I'm either the ultimate male or the worst human being in the world. Like I'm like one or the other at this fucking point. Well, he's a um, gay man. So he's not like a womanizer yeah i get it it's sarcasm but also like it's reputation and it's fan base isn't always like the greatest oh no i was uh, being light i was being light there but yeah no i'm sorry i fully get it i I was at the fucking jets game a couple weeks ago and it is astonishing how they do the wolf of wall street they're like "Mm -hmm -hmm." yeah Mm, like that's not unique to jets that's a that's just a that's what i mean like that it's insane that people unironically do that to get pumped up and you're like you know this is parody right um Mm -hmm. yeah um margot kidder in this is fucking the best and she was an actress who was fucking gigantic in my childhood um to the point when well, she I went was, on to be a gigantic actress she was a, she was lois lane she was fucking lois lane yeah like that's huge when um but her i think her performance in this well not just her performance but her performance and it's as it's written is one of the great movie drunks of all time mm. up there okay you know there's no top five or nothing like that just like you are just among great movie drunks which are different from people who are on drugs or fucked up that way sure i agree i agree it feels she's a kid fuck she's she when the killer first calls she gets on the phone and she starts talking dirty back to him she's like i've heard everything i live in the city although this movie I won't even get into it but this is a Canadian filmed movie by a Canadian filmmaker. It's mm-hmm. filmed on the University of Toronto and it's some um, beautiful old shots of old Toronto, which Toronto used to be a very nice looking city. It no longer is. Mm-hmm. And, but it, they had a, a lot of American actors for the most part here. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about, Oh, I live in the city. Cause they're, they're making it like they live in a college off like 
in up upstate New York. Yeah, That's what they're trying like to New make New England. It. it feels very New England. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Harvard, they don't state it, but that's the vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the vibe they're trying to give you. Yeah, yeah. It, it it feels like the American Northeast, like 100%. But it is so blatantly Canadian. There are a lot of Canadian and English people in this movie. Like, the main character is so English and, like, yeah, her accent kind of like that's maybe my least favorite part of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's good though. She's very good, and when she gets shrill and when she's losing it, when she's frightened, she sells it wonderfully. But the accent, I'm just like, okay, just come on, you wouldn't have this accent. <laughs> yeah, when I was uh, maybe like a baby, I don't even remember, like one or two. Um, my mom took me to see Superman an abortion 3. clinic and they were like, Sorry, you're too late. <laughs> return, return this Italian. <laughs> I gave birth like, to a meatball. I I he's got drug tendencies written all yeah. over him. I don't know. Yeah. They put a thermometer in me. They're like, ma'am, you brought a sausage. Um, <laughs> like we wanted sweet. You got a spicy. Um, <laughs> that's how they make uh the this the meats for our pizzas man we, got, that's why we, our can't delis any, are the best. we can't get any good marinara out of this mm-hmm. um but no we went to go see the richard Pryor superman and apparently oh, my mom yeah. was like so, is that three or four that that's the third one the fourth one is third. uh the one with um the nuclear man that's like the canon one okay um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. three is the one where he like starts drinking and shit and my mom apparently <laughs> was so enamored by this movie. She was like this and she was like pregnant. So she was probably like extra sensitive, but she went home to my dad and was like, we should name our kid like Clark Kent or Lois Lane. And my dad's like, that is grounds for divorce. So when they found out it was going to be a girl, my little sister's name is Margot, And that's because my mom couldn't name her. Whoa, Lois wow. Lane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. That's great. Yeah. My sister is named an honor. After, yeah. Yeah. She's named. It's got the T at the end and everything. You know, they took the spelling from it and everything. Um, yeah. Cause she loved Superman. Oh, so yeah. She get, and, yeah. When she's all drunk in this kidder, not your sister, maybe your sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I never hung out with her. Um, and she talks about the turtles that screw for two days. She's like all drunk. Oh, it's she's so reading. funny. It's just spewing out. She, Did you know? He's Charles, and then she makes a joke about premature ejaculation. Yeah. Which she's like, you, "Do you did you have that? Like when I was a kid, that was a punchline. Premature course, ejaculation still, was just like a punchline of shit. It's still a punchline until you like, you know, in your twenties. You know it's not. No, you know, I'd say that. Like <laughs> I know when, like I'll have chicks, and this is again oversharing. I and I try not to make this a sex cast. It's okay. It's okay. When I'm talking, when I talk to a chick, when I talk dirty with a chick, I'll be like. Just so you know, like I'm gonna come so quick because it's like talking about like how hot you are and how hot this all is or whatever. <laughs> Talk her up. And you make it a her start, problem, not a you problem, Brandon. <laughs> well, I don't think I didn't, but I didn't say like the night's over. It's just like I'm gonna come really quick, but then like yeah. we're gonna keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. come so quick because you just whatever. And chicks who are I find like the dirtiest, they're like, I love when guys come really quick because it makes mm. me feel like validated they okay. don't say that but okay it oh, makes i was just talking about premature ejaculation sleepy, was a so joke I go to bed i get it and someone said to me it. oh you premature ejaculated i'm like yeah yeah because it was bread. fucking hot yeah because yeah, it was Humble fucking bread. hot 
when I take too long, it's like, oh man, this is so hot. And my cock can't come. No. <laughs> I've talked about how heroin addiction makes you like not be able to shit for days and mm-hmm. all sorts of things and breathe. Um, same goes for having sex. And there were times where it was just like an hour and I was just like, I just got to stop. You know what I mean? And they'd be oh, like, oh, wow. is everything okay? And I was, and I would always make it a them problem. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's just not really yeah, that just hot wearing those shitty panties and it make yeah. and it really, it really accentuates yeah. how yeah. grandma-y your ass yeah. is looking. Yeah. You could have let me choke you or you could have choked me. There could have been some more spit and it would always like make them up their game a little bit and just kind of get crazier. Um, I like, I feel like right now if I got you pregnant, I'd want you to keep the baby and that makes me soft. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me soft. So <laughs> listen, it's going to be faster if you just let me jerk off on your tits. I swear to God. I know yeah. it sounds crazy, <laughs> but I, I that's going to be our, our uh, by the way, um, subscribe to our Patreon and tune in every <laughs> Tuesday for jerk off on your tits Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just a webcam of me jerking off onto my feet. Um. Because <laughs> I'm telling stories about. <laughs> oh my god, the casual me, alcoholism me. in this, Brandon. That's something I want to bring up. Is so Great. funny. It's it's played for laughs, but it it's genuine so in, laughs in high school. So in Canada, you know. I know you're not obviously you're not drinking anymore, but I don't know if you were a beer drinker much back in the day. So you're aware of Labatt's Blue? Of course, I had a uh, a keg koozie for Labatt's. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. So Margot Kidder, when she's in the police station, she's getting aggravated. She just <laughs> opens the purse up. She pulls out a can of Labatt Fifty. Oh, now yeah. Fifty is a rare vintage beer mm. that was massive back when this movie was filmed yeah. and it is my friends in high school it is the first beer we got drunk off because nice. we stole a case from my buddy's uh dad who because the dad like our parents generation people who'd be in their 60s now they used to drink when they were young drink 50 so we yeah. started drinking 50 and 50 became our favorite beer because it just was mm-hmm. the first beer and then you just it's so it was a whole thing and then as we got older and we started going to bars and being out, we found out you can't really find 50. Yeah. It's discontinued, but it's still, it's become this very hipster thing. Yeah. Like Paps or Schlitz or something. Nowadays. It's like exactly you're, you're in the same ballpark, but even yeah. more rare. Dang. And it's great to see her grab a fucking can and just crush a can of about 50 at a police station. Dude, the house madam or whatever they call her. That's a that's yeah, a house thing. mom, the house, house mother. Yeah. The mother. Yeah, house mother. Yeah. Her bit where she comes in, she's all flamboyant and she's like goes to the encyclopedia and she's like, B for booze. And she's got booze hidden there. And she's got no, booze she hidden. She literally there. says B for booze. It's so funny. <laughs> like you can see why this guy made a drunken sex slobs versus snobs comedy in the eighties because like yeah. those a bits, popular one. Yeah. A popular one. Like those bits in this like hit, like they're genuinely funny. They don't feel out of place. It all comes very natural. And it's, it's a charming little part of this fucking movie. You know what yeah, I mean? She hides, she hides um, pints in the 
toilet um what do you call that in the back back of the toilet yeah the toilet lid in the tank yeah yeah in the toilet tank yeah she was in the toilet tank mm-hmm. she has it in the closet mm-hmm. and it, to me it's so funny because as a as a boozer and i'm not a, i'm not like that sneaking it day and night type thing mm-hmm. but when i booze i booze i just would be like okay just put a fucking put three bottles in your room and like put them in the closet and just go drink when you want to drink i don't get like i don't get what you have but it's just funnier like it's con it's fucking comedy it's it's comedy it's comedy gold it's comedy gold let's talk about the end of this fucking movie because like every time the killer kills someone afterwards they get one of these phone calls and we they only know of one death until this movie ramps up and they don't even know she's dead they don't even know that this woman's dead by the end of this movie they still haven't found the body it's like sitting upstairs in a fucking attic literally wrapped in plastic like being rocked on a chair by like a crazy person mumbling on the floor but every time the killer strikes he makes one of these like insane person phone calls and by the end of this thing, it ramps up like madness. Olivia Hussey, eventually she gets out alive and the killer kills her boyfriend and he was the lead suspect. Well, you're, so skipping, it's like, you're skipping over a massive part. What's that? The calls are coming from within the house. That's the other thing. The calls are coming from within the house. Yeah, exactly. And you might hear that now and go, oh, no, no, no. Uh, 50 years ago. You heard that story? I'm telling you, because this is a this is a story that might have been lore in the past, but this was never committed to anything of mass pop consumption before this movie. That it was it was th- a, a crazy urban killer legend. and they're in your house. It was a yeah, literal was urban, urban legend. legend. Yeah, yeah. It was it's called like uh the babysitter murders where um the woman keeps getting these crazy phone calls, she's babysitting. And eventually she realizes that it's coming from within the house. So she leaves the house. And when the parents come home, they find the children murdered. Like, um, yeah, it's based off this old urban legend. Um, great fucking trope again, executed perfectly here. This is what built that trope. This is where that trope comes again, from. Cause this is a sorority house. It's massive and sprawling 15 girls, 20 girls live there. Yeah. Like something like that. You can't keep track of who's and they're kind of willy nilly about locking doors. And they say this near the end. Do you realize mm-hmm. this is the only locked door in the house, which is yeah. hilarious. It takes them that long. Like as soon as things started getting shaky, yeah, it's a great line. And them making fun of those dudes at the door is another reason why he directed Portuguese. So funny. Yeah, all that's so fucking funny. Um, yeah, so by the end of this, the police are like putting her to bed and they're like, case closed. We'll have a guard at the door. Don't worry about it. It was your abortion-hating boyfriend all along. hmm And then the camera lures and you still see the attic open which is where the psychopath has been hiding and the end shot is just them going back from the house like this big expository shot and you hear the phone ringing with all the lights off in the house well there was one cop who's so supposed to stay yeah, the behind guard. and then yeah and then he's like oh shit oh and then he's like oh because he thinks oh what's the problem i'll just leave for a bit and He's everybody's closing up and they go, Hey, we're going to, and they said, and she's alone in the bed and she's tranquilized up. She's not going to be awake for a long time. So she mm-hmm. can't, nothing can stir her and let's leave her alone. Okay. Let's just be quiet. Oh, 
And they all, okay, 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 shh. And they all walk out. And then you hear that phone ring. Mm-hmm. And that signifies horrible shit is coming. And or the movie just doesn't happened. play. Or just happened, yeah. Yeah. But the movie ends with the phone ringing, her alone, the killer in the attic, him waiting for everyone to clear out. And credits roll and there's no ominous music there's nothing but there's one thing they do because the sound design in this movie is so incredible so they kind of they have that wind it's like a i know and because they make it like winter yeah because it is winter it's the perfect wind sound that travolta was looking for in blowout yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and just before she gets stabbed she probably releases the perfect fucking scream dude uh what do you want to get to before we get to Rex? Because we're getting we're getting um on the time. Yeah, of course. Before we get to Rex, is there something else you want to touch on? No, I just wanted to talk about the ending and how it completely oh, and it's, subverts it is. the final girl trope where everything that she overcome. Well, there's no nothing to subvert because there wasn't final girl. Well, here's the thing. Everything this movie built became the slasher genre but bastardized and this is the better version of that like this and halloween are like imagine imagine if at the end of halloween laurie woke up and you found out michael myers was her brother like all that dumb shit Mm. like imagine like there was a black christmas too and like she survived the night and that girl wasn't dead and you find out like agnes was their mom and this was her crazy yeah and, and, she, like, and then oh he was raped God. by the mom or forced to fuck his sister or whatever fuck they did you. in those movies yeah yeah fuck you this movie kills its final girl never tells you who the killer is like it's got a bleak ending it's like what a slasher could have been if the studios learned the right lesson from Black Christmas and the first Halloween, essentially. Yeah. That's all I wanted and, to talk about before the wrecks. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, yeah, that pretty much encapsulates it. Just, it, yeah, the only thing in, which ties into that, and I don't want to get into a whole thing about it, but this movie is an early portrayal of police ineptitude. Sure. Because the police fuck up over and over again. And I'm telling you, sure, in the genre crime flicks, your French Connections, your um, Seven Ups, Another Shiner, um, The Laughing Policeman, whatever. Of course. I'm saying really – outside of French Connection, I'm probably saying movies unless you are a genre geek. You might not know. They're showing that. But in general, in the, seven, in the early 70s, how police were on TV and movies, they were infallible mostly. Yeah. They were dirty, hairy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these guys Especially are just pieces of shit, pieces of shit that could hold it together. And you couldn't even just watch. She was sleeping. All I had to do was just sit there in the room with her or all outside her room. That's all you had do to do. Your goddamn job, you know? And yeah. this is the same year, 74, as Death Wish, another movie that's kind of about police ineptitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was something kind of in the air. Like they can't, they, get, they can't get it done. So I got to single handedly do it. Yeah, I got to do it for you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I don't have anything else to say except go to the Rex if you're ready to go to yours. Of course, man. If you're feeling and reckless. This is uh, obviously a proto slasher. Like, this is the first quote unquote American slasher. So mm-hmm. my first wreck is 
what I always thought was kind of the first slasher, but I guess it kind of is a proto slasher because they, it, it has a final girl. It has the same stabbing. It predates psycho. Um, but, um, yeah, Michael Powell's peeping Tom. It's like a 1960s, uh, slasher film mm-hmm. essentially about, a creepy guy obsessed with taking pictures of young women in the nude and spying on them. Very similar to psycho. Um, except when it was released, the world at large fucking hated it. Uh, Michael Powell was one of the biggest fucking directors of the golden age of Hollywood. This is the guy who made like period pieces like the Canterbury tales, black narcissist, red shoes. These are considered, like some of the greatest movies of all time. And I think peeping Tom is probably his most influential. Cause that's the one that like, you see a lot of Martin Scorsese in that movie. You see a lot of black Christmas in that movie. Um, it's something I could recommend that might sound like a homework movie because it's from the sixties, but it is like, one of those 60s movies that is still kind of genuinely kind of scary. Like mm-hmm. there's a couple horror movies from the 60s, Rosemary's Baby, um, Psycho and Peeping Tom being like the big three where it's like that is kind of like required reading, I think, for horror fans. And Peeping Tom's the one that doesn't get talked about enough that I think spawned the most imitation out of those three does that make sense yeah 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 so yeah it's it's a bummer that that movie fucking got michael powell blacklisted because like what would that guy have done during the new age of hollywood you know what i mean like and unfortunately guys like scorsese and francis Ford coppola weren't powerful enough to like lift him up yet and by the time that they were he fucking died and couldn't make another movie it's a bummer but yeah peeping tom the like what this is to friday the 13th peeping tom is to this essentially yeah well my i'll keep it with horror this was give me a first wreck but Mine is another Christmas horror movie that people never talk about is Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a French film. 2007's Inside, or if you're going to be shitty French about it, uh, L'Interrier, starring Beatrice Daly as the murderer, murderess. Mm-hmm. And she is frightening, and they never give... It's a woman. It stars... It doesn't star her. It's Beatrice Daly is the murderer. Is he's a murderer? Mm-hmm. And Murderous. there's a pregnant pregnant woman who is nine and a half months pregnant. Kids coming any day now, and she Beatrice Daly wants to steal her baby, and she breaks into her house, and the woman calls the police, and the police come, and they try to keep her safe, and they fuck up, and everybody gets murdered. In because this is part of the 2000s French extremity wave, yeah. Uh, Martyrs, Lanterrier, um, Irreversible predated it. What's the one um, that you like that I can't nobody stand? Likes. Shit, I had it before you no, said that. No, people <laughs> like it. It's the two girls, they go to that like cabin, 
No, they don't um, go to a cabin. They, they go to the French. They go to her, their parents. The one like shit. countryside town. Yeah, that one. That oh, one. Fuck, that's annoying that I forget that. But um, yeah, I know. Oh, that's really know. annoying. Anyways, moving on. Oh, that because I could just sit here for the next eighteen minutes thinking about it, and I do I like it. I know a it's lot. tough. I know. I know it you is, like that one. Oh, a high lot, tension. High tension. High tension. High tension. <laughs> Which is also called Switchblade Romance, which is a terrible name for it. Uh, That's anyways, a cool it, name, it, though. <laughs> but if you've seen the movie, it's like, what are you even talking about? Inside L'Interrier, Chris's movie, someone breaking into a house, trying to kill a woman, but it happens to be a woman this time. And it is one of the most disturbing, as far as we're talking graphic mm-hmm. uh, violence movies there is, period. So it's not for the faint of heart, but but it is great. And I did recommend it to a girl who I speak with, who I know from Montreal, but she lives in France now. And she hit me up this year. What are some um what are some horror movies to watch during Halloween? Mm. And I was like, Well, what do you usually like? And she said a couple that were like pretty intense. So I said, Okay. okay. And I threw out some intense ones to her then. And yeah. she watched this. And she was like, oh, it was really good. I was like, she was like, it was great. I'm like, I can't believe you sat and watched this as a yeah. regular human. Fucking the French New Extremity and that whole wave, arguably as influential on what's happening now in horror as stuff like Halloween and Black Christmas were to what happened to the 80s in yeah. horror. Um, maybe we're moving well, if you away look, from I mean, the movie came out in 07, 16 years old. Now, so it is. It takes like 15, 16 years. It takes like 12, 15 years for it to really start resonating, permeating through. Yeah, there was something in the air with just things getting so hardcore. Even in America, like Saw and Hostel and stuff like that mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Cabin in the as, Woods, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same time as uh, the stuff happening over in France. Like, you mentioned Irreversible and Martyrs. Those are like I, I won't call them chores to watch, but like you got to be ready to watch those movies because they are yeah. so striking. Um, another another kind of wave that was equally as influential on 80s horror uh, that started a decade earlier uh, comes from my favorite place in the earth, uh, Italy. Um, and those are the Giallo slasher movies. They predate uh, American slasher movies and they are way, way stylish and way, way crazy. Um, if you want to see what, um, there's one specific shot that borrows it where they show the killer looking through the, um, door and they, yeah. and they oh, show yeah. his eye and they show mm-hmm. his eye very close. I'm like this is super gallow, super, super, super. Yeah. That's my shit. And if you ever wondered like what and the lights, the they lights. That's what I mean. Like, what would movie? Friday yeah. the Thirteenth look like on LSD? Like, go seek out mm-hmm. some Giallo. It's very cool. Um, arguably, the first Giallo is uh, Mario Bava's Bay of Blood, um, a fucking brutal movie from 1971 that is shockingly violent for a movie from 1971 that could only be made in a place like Italy. That if you are into Black Christmas and you watch Black Christmas and you're like. I want something like that. Like that's my shit. Um, well, it where, came up in the I, the only time I've seen it ever brought up in uh, mainstream cinema was Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. What I'm getting at is 
in the late 60s and 70s, genre films lived in Italy. Yeah. They they truly did. And the stuff that eventually came to America, you know, that we were talking about before, the tough cop movies uh, mm-hmm. of the mid-70s, those were going on in Italy in the late 60s, yeah. early 70s. Um, and harder. Yeah, but but it's so crazy, but like yeah. so intense, so intense. Um, yeah, um, and goofier. All sometimes, <laughs> sometimes goofier. A lot yeah. more boobs, I will say. Mm-hmm. A lot more boobs and a lot more blood and nonsense explosions. Um, and usually they all have like seven different titles, so they're very hard to seek out. One that's not Mario. hard to seek out is Mario Bava's Bay of Blood. If you like Black Christmas that is something i would like highly highly so my next one i'm gonna lighten the mood a lot more and we'll keep it moving here to wrap it up but uh roger avery longtime tarantino collaborator yeah and i think he only made two movies maybe i think uh killing zoe and and this second one the rules of attraction came out in 2002 starred fresh off dawson's creek james vanderbeek as a creep pervert fucked up and this movie is based on a novel that you of someone you spoke about earlier, Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah. And in this movie, it's people in college, like Black Christmas, and but different black because Black Christmas, they're all kind of a crew. They're all a family that live together. They they, yeah. they, they, they we live together in rules of attraction, everyone's disparate and disconnected. But there's a lot of phone calls. The people call and they're getting the information wrong and then things are getting distorted. Yeah, the game of telephone. It's a game of literal telephone. And yeah. and just no one really connects. Yeah, it's kind of a stretch, but I like to get this movie thrown in there. And it's one of my all-time favorite. And we haven't done this on this podcast for specifically this. One of the greatest gay characters of all time is is Dick in the movie Rose of Attraction. Mm. And he's on he's with his family and he's with his friend his family friend that he used to fuck that he fucks and he's drunk off his ass and he's making ass ass himself at a family dinner. It's great. Anyways, Rules of Attraction starring James Vanderbeek and the then surging uh Shannon Shannon Sossaman. And Jessica Beale mm-hmm. is there and she plays a raging slut. Looking great. As always. Yeah. No, no shit. She rolls out of bed fucking gorgeous. So I love uh Brett Easton Ellis has like a shared universe. Like, isn't Patrick Bateman a character? Maybe not in, in Rose Attraction. Yes, he is. Like, he he, is he's right? on the yeah. phone at one point. Yeah. 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 It's cool. And American the guys Psych- from- we're talking American Psychos. <clears throat> Brett Easton Ellis wrote American Psycho. Mm-hmm. And he also wrote uh Rules of Attraction, not the screenplay, but he wrote the Mm-hmm. Uh, and no. and less than less than zero and like the characters from that movie are on the phone mm-hmm. it's that's a great fucking yeah. movie yeah. um my last rec are for the uh margot kidder diehards um and if you want to see another like this isn't alfred hitchcock but it wants to be alfred hitchcock which a lot of black christmas kind of has that vibe um Brian De Palma made a movie called Sisters in 1972 before he popped off. It is low budget, um, but it is definitely like a 70s psychological horror genre thing. A lot of it's told in split screen where Margot Kidder plays this like kind of mousy woman and 
you someone keeps calling her and she's freaking out and every time she brings a man back to her house they get murdered and you think it's her the whole time and then about a quarter of the way through the movie you find out that she had a conjoined twin that she got detached (laughs) with so she plays both roles and you see like her sleeping with the guy in one split screen and then her going to kill the guy in the other split screen. That's kind of one of those seventies, like how they do that kind of things. Um, You know, before the magic of CGI, it is very much a Brian De Palma movie. It is very salacious and weird and skanky and trashy and gory. Yeah. He always has the, um, I'm being slutty, but it's not that part of me being slutty. The other part of me being sl- being slutty. It's always that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. To, to, we're running long here, so I'll get to yeah. it. But I was going to go with originally uh, Todd Salon's uh, 1998 Happiness with mm. Fillmore Hoffman. And yeah. it's a lot of people oddly have seen this movie, and there's a, time where philip seymour hoffman is calling ra- women randomly and speaking to them terribly on the phone and then jerking off but mm-hmm. actually i have never done this before through our conversation Horrible. i came up with 1977's looking for mr Goodbar, Whoa. starring diane keaton yeah and a absolutely unhinged richard gear where he was devastatingly handsome Young, he had to be. Fuck, I don't even know I, the math on this. I didn't I have to look 22, 23. Pre American Gigolo, so he's not 30, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. young. And Diane Keaton is, and uh, Tuesday Weld, enemy of the podcast, enemy of the podcast. Tuesday <laughs> <Weld>. <laughs> it, uh, Diane Keaton is a school teacher just out of just out of meaning she just finished school. So she's like early in her career. She's still living at home in New York and she has a sexual awakening, which causes her to start fucking dudes randomly in the city and going out and being promiscuous and then leaving home and getting her own place. And she can't afford to live in the city by herself on a teacher's salary. She lives in a shithole and she fucks lunatics, which one of them are Richard Gere and and the young Tom more, Berenger, dude. And the young Tom That's Berenger. right. Han, like yeah. handsome as shit, Tom Berenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. looking hot. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's more of a wreck aesthetically than anything. Mm. It's not like, obviously, it's not even... It, well, it thematically is this, is that it's a woman, the autonomy of a woman of on course. her own, striking out, which was... Uh, again, to use the term salacious back in the late seventies. Yeah. Like you didn't find it that often. Salacious B. Crumb, the little guy who sits on Jabba's <laughs> tummy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>